Hi again, everybody, and welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast series presented by SeatGeek. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings from Orange County, California, where this week the New Orleans Saints are practicing jointly with the Los Angeles Chargers. It'll be a very important week for the black and gold leading up to the dress rehearsal preseason game, that all-important third preseason game, which will be on Saturday night in Carson, Saints versus the Chargers. But these two joint practices this week will probably answer the few remaining questions about the New Orleans Saints, and will give Drew Brees a chance to go against another team for the first time this preseason. So a lot to cover, and of course we'll have it for you at NewOrleansSaints.com. And don't forget, when we get past this week, we'll basically start turning our attention to basketball too, as the New Orleans Pelicans will start to descend upon the practice facility and begin preparations for their training camp. It starts next month, believe it or not. Our guest today is one of the esteemed Saints beat writers for the Advocate newspaper and theadvocate.com. It's Nick Underhill, who has come to New Orleans via New England, where he previously covered the Patriots, and as you'll hear momentarily, a host of other sports in his much younger career. A young man originally from Erie, Pennsylvania, is on it with regard to this football team, and we're pleased to have him today to talk about him, his career, and his thoughts on this edition of the New Orleans Saints. It's our one-on-one this week, the Black and Blue Report podcast series, Nick Underhill, and it's yours right now. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Nick, you know those days where a guy will come up to you or gal and say, you've got the best job ever, and probably sometimes you disagree. I'd say a day like today out here in Southern California, we might have the best job ever. Yeah, no complaints. And even our bad days are probably better than a lot of people's uh, good days. So there's not a whole lot of complaints for me. You know, airport delays and things like that. There's much worse things in the world to deal with. But this this here, L.A., this weather, it's great right now. Yeah, it's a good change of scenery, change of weather, as you mentioned, all that good stuff. Probably a long way from New England. I know that's your background does have a stop there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. The weather up there wasn't bad either. Uh, You know, so far, though, I I love it down here. I love covering this team. Uh, You know, people always ask me the similarities. And really, to me, from, you know, what we do, the media, the differences are are tremendous. I feel like covering this team, Sean Payton, if you actually listen to him, you listen to these players, you can learn about the game. Up in New England, you weren't learning anything about the game. It's just, you know, you're treated like the enemy. And I know people down here like to talk about, you know, how the Saints treat people. I my comparatively speaking I think it's pretty great so far and I've really enjoyed being down here was the Patriots was that your first I guess NFL beat first NFL beat uh before that I covered minor league baseball and before minor league baseball I was covering like community swim events cross-country skiing just anything anybody would allow me to go cover I was covering and you know then it was double a baseball double a baseball to the Patriots well, take me back. When was that? Is it was it near home? Where is home? Give me the background there. Yeah, all, all the stuff. Uh, minor league baseball, the 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 swimming, the cross country skiing. That that was all in Erie, Pennsylvania. And then, uh, you know, from there, I, I got the opportunity to do some freelance stuff for you know teams would come in the, the NBA D League or, or minor league baseball teams come in, and I would freelance for other papers. And this one paper in uh, Massachusetts liked what I did, and they they gave me an opportunity, and I parlayed that into covering the Patriots. Do you remember? Think back. Do you remember that first time you got paid to cover a sporting event? What was it? Uh, yeah, that was uh, that would have been a cross-country skiing event. You kind of just stand at the, the finish line and, and 
you know, hope the people that went through it tell you what happened because you can't follow them through it and describe anything that happened. And, uh, yeah, yeah, cross-country skiing. <laughs> so Erie, Pennsylvania, is that home? That's home, yep. Okay. What was it like growing up there? Uh, you know, it, it's uh, definitely a, a blue-collar place. A lot of the industry was, you know, paper, and then as paper went away, it kind of, you know, it's a deteriorating city, so I'm, I'm happy to be out of there, yeah. Do you ever go back? Now and then I do, yeah. Yeah. Where was school then? See, I, you can tell I did a lot of research. I don't even know <laughs> where school was for you, Nick. I went to three colleges. I wasn't much of a student, so I'd stay at one long enough until my grades got so bad I had to go somewhere else. I was on the Van Wilder plan. It took me like eight years to get out of college. Not a doctor, but, you know, that's just, I don't know, it just, just the covering or going to things like art history class didn't hold my interest. And, you know, I wanted to be out doing sports stuff, covering things, working freelance, whatever I could do. And, you know, it was like school was just something I had to do to you know get where I wanted to be I wouldn't recommend my path to anybody but it worked out for me same here my dad used to tell me he said son a guy who stays in school as long as you is usually called doctor that's what that was his favorite line I, I think that maybe you and Tom Savage might lead this whole group in schools attended post high school yeah that's that's definitely possible yes when you look back now on you know where you started covering cross-country skiing and all that what are some of the things that were important then that translate now to even today covering the NFL? Well, look, I mean, when I started out covering the Patriots, it was working remotely, Pennsylvania, blogging, aggregating, putting anything up. And I figured, hey, I got this connection with this place, so I'll just drive to the games. And I was driving eight hours one way to Patriots games. And then, they, you know, they played in New York. I would drive there. So, you know, I kept doing that, and eventually they, they told me just to move out. But I think that work ethic, I hope it still shows in my work now, you know, that I'll put in the work just to, if I want to know a stat, I'll spend eight hours watching film just to write one stat. And I mean, I just kind of think that drive is something that I've carried over into my work and I hope it shows day to day. What's your best, best Bill Belichick story? <laughs> oh man. I don't know if it's a good story, but I think it kind of sums up the man. Uh, one time I, I got in, in an elevator, you know, it's one of those situations where you shove your hand in to keep it open and it pops open and there's Bill in there. And I look at Bill and I say, hi, just puts up the hood, turns to the side of the elevator, and doesn't say a word. And I think that kind of describes Bill Belichick in the media kind of perfectly. Yeah, that's a pretty good snapshot right there. You know, for me as a broadcaster, I can think back to the broadcasters that I looked up to or I wanted to pattern after or whatnot. What about for a sports writer? Is there somebody like that? Is there somebody that you read often that you aspired to, to be like or, or wanted to emulate a little bit? Yeah, I think it's all from the same tree. I mean, when Greg Bedard first came to – to New England, just kind of seeing the way he covered the team and how much he relied on watching film and analysis. I started reading them and it was like, you know, you can kind of, like, I didn't know you could cover a team this way. And, you know, I, I felt like he was a guy I had to read. So I kind of started, you know, trying to do some of those things and take what he did and turn it into my own thing. And then, you know, reading Bob McGinn and Greg, Greg learned under Bob McGinn. I think those guys are kind of, you know, I don't want to say I'm like them, but I would like to be like them one day. It's interesting, especially in your line of work, all those principles that you probably gleaned from them and, and just the signposts along the way are still important, but yet they didn't have to deal with social media. They didn't have to deal with the digital side. It seems like, Nick, your generation of, of sports writers and beat writers especially are almost like charting your own course here. That, that would be intimidating to me. Look, me and my uh, beat partner, Joel Erickson, we were just talking last night about the way like stories used to break a long time ago. And, 
you know, you'd break a story and wake up and find it in the, the next paper. And people probably lost their jobs over that. The way it is now, it's on Twitter. You get it in 30 seconds. You know, you win some, you lose some. It's not a huge deal. Everybody has it within five minutes. And, you know, it's just it's a lot different, I think, probably than, yeah, like, you know, when Bob McGinn was coming up, he didn't have to deal with that. And it, it's it's much, much different. And the 24-7-ness of it is probably exhausting, you know, if you came up in that era. For us, it's just kind of how you got to do it. And, you know, if it blows up your plans, nothing is ever set in stone. And that's probably the hardest thing about it. And people that don't do this, it's like you make plans to go out to dinner and it's like, oh, well, so-and-so got cut. And they're like, well, who's so-and-so? Well, it doesn't matter. I got to write the story. We can't come. And that's just kind of how life is. Yeah, I guess so. You know, it's interesting because when you talk about either breaking a story or getting an exclusive, back in the day, you would have hours to kind of flesh that out. Now, you'd try to keep that quiet because you didn't want anybody else to get it. But have have we as, as reporters lost that ability to really flesh something out because it has to be right now? Yeah, I think so to, to a degree. It's tweet first, write second. And if you don't tweet it right away, somebody's going to be behind you getting it. And th- there's no sitting on anything nowadays. It's You get it up and you keep writing through and you hope that people read the finished product five hours later when you finish the story. But, you know, you tweet, post two paragraphs, and that's it. And, I mean, that's just kind of the way of the world now. Nick, what have you learned about writing for sports fans in southeast Louisiana? It's kind of its own animal. You're not from there. Neither am I. But there's something unique to it. What have you learned? Uh, I mean, I think that they really like the detailed stuff and they like, they like you to bring a different story and you know i think they really appreciate when people put in the work and they're thoughtful in their opinions and their analysis and everything like that are, are there any favorite athletes that you've covered over the years ones that just you'll always look fondly back on as as far as dealing with them i think uh probably my favorite guy right now on this team to deal with tron armstead I, I think it is is great he takes the time you can learn a lot of things from him aj klein is pretty good demario davis is super intelligent every time i talk to him I, I learn something about football or even just life i mean his perspective on everything is just you know really really good and interesting one thing that i i note about young people coming into our business is whether they can learn the ability to ask a question or not when did you know that you could start asking questions or that it would go easier for you in that sense that's a that's an interesting question i'm not sure i got an answer for you you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, it. I think it. It takes as I'll use a Sean Payton term here: time on task okay. to finally how to learn to ask a question, as opposed to, you know, one of the old crutches. You know, whether it be a statement, I still do that, or or already asking a question, thinking I want this answer, and sometimes I don't do a good job of just asking the question to find out. Do you remember a time where or somebody who kind of showed you the way on that? Yeah, I mean, just saying that though, it's kind of interesting. Different guys. You, you got to ask him questions different ways. Like with Sean Payton, like you don't want to lead him into anything. Like I found you get the best answers from him when it's a short, direct question. There's no pretense because, you know, sometimes people are trying to figure out why you're asking a question. I, I just want the answer. I don't want to lead you into anything. And then other guys, you kind of got to give them, you know, a little bit to let them know where you're coming from. And, you know, it, it, it is an art, you know, from person to person for sure. And on top of that, you know, one thing that I had to learn was not to take everything personally. Yeah. Well, that's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. And look, you got to be willing to let people call you an idiot or laugh at you or think you're stupid. And, you know, sometimes we are stupid. We're much dumber than a lot of the people we talk to. And, you know, sometimes you're going to ask a bad question and they're going to let you know. And that's okay. But we write things and when they mess up, we let them know. So it's just kind of the nature of the business. 
All right, so what does Nick Underhill like to do when he's away from a laptop or taking notes of practice? I'm a pretty boring guy. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly I, I like to go to movies. I, I got a bulldog puppy, so she uh, she keeps me busy. And I mean, that's about it. I hang out with my wife, the, the bulldog, and go to movies. Tell me about your wife. How long have you been married? Uh, six years. Uh, I met her in Pennsylvania. She, she's originally from India, moved over here when she was about 10 or 11 years old. And, uh, you know, we've been together for about 10 years now. So you eat well, is that what you're saying? I do eat well, yes I do. Man, just to have that culture in your home like that, that's special, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely is. Uh, she's introduced me to a lot of things, taking me out of my comfort zone, but that's that's always a good thing. Did you jump right in or did she have to coax you a lot? Oh, I've been coaxed a lot, yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about this football team. What have you seen so far in camp? What strikes you at this moment about the 2018 New Orleans Saints? I'm excited to see how this defense goes and just kind of the growth of, of Lattimore. Marcus Williams, I think, has probably been arguably one of the best two or three players in camp. And that really shouldn't be a surprise. Last year he had five interceptions. He, he was really, really good last year. But I think you see his instincts taking over a little bit more. He's more comfortable and is reacting more than thinking. And it's turned out a lot of plays. So, I mean, just those guys and then the linebackers, adding Davis to that group, I think is going to help them a lot. I think Trey Hendrickson looks like he's taking the leap in his second season. So there's a lot of things happening on that defense that, that are, I'm excited about. I know fans are too, and I get a lot of folks, and I know you do too on the street, that talk about how good they think this team is going to be and all that. But I'm fearful of the rest of the NFC. Heck, I'm fearful of the Saints schedule itself. I'm not ready to drink all the Kool-Aid just yet. The one thing I'll say, though, is a lot of teams, that they go out and they load up. A lot of times it doesn't work out and you don't have that chemistry. This feels more homegrown and organic. They're kind of picking their spots where they're adding guys. But, you know, maybe everything comes together for the Rams. But that's a lot of personalities to mesh and manage in a short period of time. And you saw it, I can't remember what year it was, but early in the 2000s with the Eagles when they had the so-called dream team. And, you know, it kind of blew up. And I feel like there's more of those cautionary tales than not. So, you know, I just think the Saints are going to be good, and they look like an ascending team. And if they aren't, you know, if they don't go to the playoffs and win at least the game, I think it's kind of a disappointment. And I, I hate to put that kind of expectation on them, but I think this team has earned it. Who's the number two quarterback for the New Orleans Saints? I got to go with Tom Savage right now. I, you know, Taysom Hill might develop. He, he might turn into something, but there's bumps and bruises. You, you see in these games, his vision's a little bit limited. He's not getting through his reads. In the pocket, he looks uncomfortable. And there's just like a lot of little mistakes. I think the game, once it slows down for him, you'll see some of that stuff come out. Like in that two-minute drill before he took the blind side blindside hit and fumbled the ball, you know, he was doing really good things on that drive. And I think as he settles in and gets more comfortable, he, he can become a better player. But I just don't think that's, you know, I don't think his time is right now. I think a lot of us were in the mindset, Nick, that at the start of this camp, there would be few surprises, not many big splash stories. Have there been any? Has it gone as you thought so far? It's been smooth sailing so far. You know, the biggest surprise to me is that Marcus Davenport missing three weeks of practice hasn't felt like a huge, gigantic ordeal. And that's that's a credit to guys like Trey Hendrickson. And Okafor was playing really well before he got hurt. It looks like he's going to start practicing again. So, I mean, just the depth on the, on the defensive line, I guess, is the biggest surprise that the first-round pick can be out. And we're just kind of like, okay, it's, it's not a huge deal. Remember this week a year ago, how badly the practice went against the Chargers and then how good the Saints looked in the preseason game? Are we set, Are we setting that course all over again, you think? Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm expecting the Saints to do pretty well in these practices. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, th this is a great launching pad into the season. It's going to be good to see how a lot of these guys stack up, you know, day after day against another team. You know, at a certain point you start to wonder – 
is this guy succeeding because he knows everything that guy against him does? Like Hendrickson, for instance, like, you know, his pass rush moves, do they show up more against a new opponent? They have in the games. I really don't think that's a huge concern, but I just want to see those things. And I think it's going to give us a better factor fiction for a lot of players on the team. All right, as you know, I work for the team, so sometimes I'm so immersed that I can't see the reality of a situation. But is Mike Thomas one of the best receivers in the NFL right now? I think he's probably definitely top five, and he looks even better to me this summer. He's Somehow he seems more physical, more explosive than he was a year ago, and that, that's his whole game. I, you know, it, It's going to be interesting with him. Do, do his numbers go up, or do they stay flat? Do they go down? I mean... I think he could look better on film, and the stats might not be there just because I think they're better at wide receiver. Ben Watson, they got a receiving tight end now. You might not need to throw to him 150 times, but I think he's he's going to have a, another huge season. I want to get excited about Traquan Smith. Can I? I'm excited about him. It, it's you know that's another situation too. It's like. Last year, you go back, they signed Peterson, and then they get Alvin, and then it's kind of like, uh, do we need both guys? I'm going to be curious to see how that kind of plays out. I think Meredith can be very good on this team. It's just been a slow start, and, you know, Smith has had the opportunity, and he stepped up, and, you know, he looks really good. He has a lot of highlights. When we look at the start of the regular season, I think we've covered some of the storylines with this team, but this helmet thing, this this national anthem thing, it seems like there's some – not on the field. Well, I guess the helmet thing is on the field. There's some storylines that may have a significant role in the opening weeks of the NFL season. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. And, look, I'm all for anybody speaking up for, for people that might not have a voice for themselves. So, you know, if the players want to do something and, and you know, I, I'd never be somebody to, to tell somebody not to speak out on an issue they want to speak out on, you know. And you can agree or disagree with it. I mean, that, that's a huge issue for, for every team in the whole league. And, you know, hopefully there's a resolution that, that everybody can kind of come to the same place and, and be in agreement on something. The helmet roll, I mean, the way that thing's being called is crazy. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the intentions were right, but the way it's gone throughout the preseason, it, it feels like there needs to be an adjustment there because it's taking something away from the game. In the way some of these plays are being called, is it's very clear, clean tackle from everything I, I've understood watching football my whole life. And now all of a sudden it's not allowed. And, you know, they got to figure something out there. Do you anticipate having to do a story on either one in the opening weeks? Is that is that your job to do that, you think? I mean, it, it is my job. And, you know, it, if somebody takes a knee or, or doesn't come out for the anthem, it, it's something that, that we're obligated to cover and, you know, try to do it fairly without bias and kind of let people speak their piece and, and put it out there and, it's just it just thinks that 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 it's a you know an issue that kind of divides the country and you know it, I think people on both sides need to try to do a better job of listening to the other. Look, I mean, there's people willing to put their whole livelihoods on the line and give up everything just to speak some words on an issue that you know they feel that strongly about. We should at least take the time to listen and not ostracize them for for doing what they feel like they need to do. Well said. Let me ask you this before we get out of here. You are a keen observer of practice, always have detailed observations. You're on it. I don't know how you do it. How, what's the secret to, for you to watch practice? I just try to pay attention and uh, not spend too much time, uh, you know, telling jokes with, with the, the fellows out here watching practice. You know, you, you just kind of got to be disciplined and keep your eyes on the field. All right, give me what you'll look for this week then in this joint practice. Well, I mean, unfortunately, it sounds like I haven't seen who's over there. Hayward suffered an injury. That would have been a great matchup, him and Mike Thomas, but – you know, I want to see Marshawn Lattimore against anybody just to kind of see how he uh, raises his game and, and, you know, handles the competition. And then 
I don't know if Bosa's practicing, but the, the, they're two edge guys against Tron and Ramchek are probably going to be the other highlights of the week. All right, well, I'm not your boss, but I'll tell you it's time to go to work. Thanks a lot, Nick. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.